pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. Punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice and the life that you transgressions he was crushed for our sins the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds by his wounds we are week we know that Sunday is coming and there's a celebration but every year on Good Friday I, I just have this strange feeling I feel so conflicted I guess is a good word for it I mean we commemorate this gruesome awful death on the cross this crucifixion and we call it good and to be sure, we, we know why, because as I've already said, we know that Sunday is coming, we know the resurrection is coming, yet we still must pause to consider the cross. And so, I'm conflicted. But there's more than just that. I mean, I think about the, 
crowds when Jesus came into Jerusalem. It, just such a triumphant scene. We, we talked about it last week on, on Sunday, Palm Sunday. And the crowds crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh, save us, King, Son of David, save us. And then I think about the beaten and whipped Christ as he stands before the crowds later that week. And they're crying, crucify him, give us Barabbas, crucify him, crucify him. And if I'm honest with myself, I can see me in both of those crowds. And there I am again, a little bit conflicted. But think about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Peter looks at him and says, you should never wash my feet. And of course, Jesus explains to him why he must wash his feet. And man, I can, I can identify with Peter. I can empathize with Peter. Should, shouldn't I be washing his feet? Shouldn't I be serving Jesus? Yet, He's serving me, and this is the way it has to be? I'm just conflicted about these things. There's, there's, it, there's, there's, there's a holy tension that's there. But again, we consider the cross of Calvary, and it was brought together by two amazing ideas in the first century, Roman law and Jewish piety. And so when we look at the cross, we see, we see human beings not just at their worst, but in a strange kind of way, also at their best. It's a very, again, conflicting thought. I mean, how could it be that God's wrath being poured down on Jesus is the greatest display of love that the world would ever know? How am I supposed to feel? What, what are we supposed to think on this day? Think of the light of the world. As John says, the, the light of the world, the light comes in and pierces through the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. Yet on this Friday, for all intents and purposes, it seems like that light has been extinguished. All the forces of hell, all the evil intents in man, they crucified the light. The light is extinguished today. And the great symbol of Christianity, the cross, it's an instrument of death, to be sure. But therein, therein is hope. As we consider the cross tonight, Pastor Aaron and I simply want to walk through Scripture and let Scripture speak for itself to recount the events from the meal with the disciples, the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus, all the way up to the crucifixion. So if you will, just worship with us as we simply read through Scripture. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little further, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, 
the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. And then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. A large mob with swords and clubs was with him from the chief priests and elders of the people. His betrayer had given them a sign. The one I kiss, he's the one. Arrest him. So he went right up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Friend, Jesus asked him, Why have you come? Then they came up and took hold of Jesus and arrested him. At that moment, one of those with Jesus reached out his hand and drew his sword. He struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear. Then Jesus told him, Put your sword back in its place, because all who take up a sword will perish by a sword. Or do you think that I cannot on my father, call on my father, And he will provide me at once with more than twelve legions of angels. How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I used to sit teaching in the temple complex, and you didn't arrest me. But all this has happened so that the prophetic scriptures would be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. Luke 22, verse 54. They seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard sat down together, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, This man was with him too, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, This man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, 
how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. And then from John 18, then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. And then going on a little further, then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I am not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origin here. You are a king then, Pilate said. You say that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? Matthew 27 Beginning in verse 20. The chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked them, What should I do then with Jesus, who was called Christ? They all answered, Crucify him. Then he said, Why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting all the more, Crucify him! And Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead. He took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. All the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. Mark fifteen sixteen. Then the soldiers led him away into the courtyard, that is, headquarters, and called the whole company together. They dressed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns, and put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. They kept hitting him on the head with a reed and spitting on him. Getting down on their knees, they were paying him homage. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe. Put his clothes on him. And led him out to crucify him.
John 19, verse 17. Then they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a sign made and put on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Don't write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. They also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my clothes among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there. So they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up. 